Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. It's week one. Oh, Kata, what's going on, man? I oh. could not be more excited right now. How are you feeling? It's about to go down. I assume you are Ooh-wee. referencing the Kevin Hart stand-up bit that he says yes, that. in the bus. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah, man, it is week one, and it's time to go. Fantasy football season is officially upon us. And my goodness, do we have a jam-packed first show for you all tonight. Our news list is like 19 bullet points long. (laughs) Apparently, everything has happened in the NFL since we last recorded. I don't know how that is possible. Yeah, it's been a a super busy week. Uh, Usually, we chit-chat for a while and just kind of, you know, have a little fun before we actually get into the news. But I'll tell you what, we have so much news to get through in only an hour to do it. So what do you say we just go over and get into the news? Let's do it. I got great news, guys. Oh, oh got news? Hey, got news. News. Yes. news, 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 All right. It happened. Ezekiel Elliott Woo. signs a six-year extension worth $90 million. My goodness, that dude got paid. Now the highest paid running back in the league. Obviously, if you drafted Ezekiel Elliott uh, at a discount, you are extremely happy today. And even if you drafted him at a top four pick, you know, in your redraft leagues, you're still equally as happy. So he is back. Uh, Okada, give me your breakdown here, mostly from a a week one lens, because I think, honestly, we can just skip the season-long talk. We both would have had him as our RB1 if he had signed when we were drafting. So we both love this guy long term. What are you doing with him this week? I am starting him without question or hesitation. And I mean, I probably won't or he won't be my number one or isn't currently my number one, but he's in the elite tier. I'm not knocking anything off. I think he's going to get close to his full workload. Um, I think he's been working out is in shape that he was already in practice today. uh, Literally the morning after, basically. Um, And back when he missed that six game suspension. If you remember, he came back in week 16 from that. He got 24 carries in that game. So I, they're going to ride him just like they always do. And it's the Giants, and they're going to suck, and the Cowboys are going to just run it down their throats. And uh, Zeke is as good as you can get. I have no fears. Now, what are your thoughts on uh, your colleague with the NFL Network, Jane Slater, coming out today saying the team is planning to give Zeke, I think she put it in quotes, uh, 20 to 25, what did she say? She didn't say touches. She didn't say carries. She didn't say snaps. Opportunities. Just, opportunities. Something vague uh, that wasn't very descriptive. Shots. Exactly Chances. as to what was going to happen. Do you see it, yeah. it being a, a true 20 to 25 carry, or is that more of a 20 to 25 snap game? What What does that mean to you? Oh, if it's a, I don't, I don't think there's any way that it snaps. No, I think he gets, like I said, close to a full workload. That's going to be, I don't know, twice that. Um, 
I don't know if I'd put him at 20 to 25 carries, but I would definitely put him up in the 15 to 20 range. And if he gets five targets, that's 20 opportunities. So, yeah, I think he's going to have every chance to perform as an RB1, and he'll probably do it. I 100% agree. The question is... Huzzah. What are you doing with Tony Pollard if you did draft him in the, the midst of the holdout? Is he droppable in your fantasy leagues? Yep, not a hesitation. I First of all, I didn't have any of him because I always believed that Zeke was going to sign. You believed in your heart. Um, yes. I was a little late or early on my date. I think <laughs> I said about five weeks ago. <laughs> but uh, listen, you know, it happened. So. Better late than never. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's a glorified handcuff, but Zeke has not really been known to miss much time unless it's getting suspension for doing stupid things. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really considering him really a high end handcuff per se. I, I, unless you have a really deep league, he's droppable. IMO. You? Yes, I agree. I was stashing him for a while and did not draft a kicker because I was just playing with Tony Pollard until Zeke came back and he's back. So I dropped him and grabbed my kicker. So I agree. He's droppable in all formats in our opinion. Next up on the dock, the Houston Texans are a team that are going for it this oh, season. Oh, boy. Making moves left and right without a general manager, mind you, which nope. is even more impressive. Uh, Bill O'Brien, head coach, is making these moves. They acquired Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil, offensive uh, linemen, from the Miami Dolphins for a boatload of draft picks, which, speaking on the Dolphins' side, they are 100% tanking for Tua at this point. Uh, nope. But I think... You know, we can talk about both sides of the trade here. Let's start with Miami because I think that's going to be a little quicker. And then let's go over to the Texans. Anything that you want to add here from their offensive side of the ball when it comes to their fantasy weapons? Yeah, I don't think that you can look at this and not say that Albert Wilson and even Devontae Parker don't get a little bit of a bump. Because Kenny Stills has been getting a healthy share of targets, a lot of the downfield stuff. Um, and now that's all gone. And who who who's their third guy right now? Can you even tell me off the top of your head? Preston Williams. Preston Williams, who's a undrafted rookie free agent. So I he's looked good, and I actually have him in a couple dynasty leagues because I'm excited. But that's it. So yeah, they're gonna have lots of chances to play. And obviously, Devonte Parker, when he has had those chances to play, has been decent. He's failed to have those chances very often because of injury and Adam Gase being a douche. <laughs> but if he finally gets seven, eight targets on a regular basis in this situation, I think that he could finally break out, which I've been saying a little bit, and this helps. So You are a Devontae Parker apologist. <sighs> I am, sadly. <laughs> Can't give it up. I'm not proud of it. No. I'm not proud of it. I agree, man. And honestly, with Fitzmagic there, who... You know, he doesn't care at this point in his career. He's having fun chucking it up. Even if someone's covered, the targets will be there for Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson, especially considering the fact that that team is going to play from behind a lot this season. Deeper leagues uh, where you start two or three flexes, I, I think you could do worse than those two wide receivers in some weeks, given the right matchup. So keep an eye on those guys for sure. Let's get over to the Houston side of the ball because that's where the fun begins. Okada, mm. Deshaun Watson is my number one ranked quarterback now going into the season based off projection Ooh, updates. Overall completely? Overall, number one. Wow. And you and I both have him at number one this week in our weekly rankings on yes. RedshirtsFantasyFootball.com. So 
Let's talk about what this does for Deshaun Watson. I love it. I mean, you talk about Kenny Stills and Will Fuller when healthy on the field together. How on earth is anyone going to be able to cover the intermediate field when those two guys are stretching the field? DeAndre Hopkins is going to go absolutely nuclear this season. And now you throw in Kiki QT when he comes back. Those four on the field together, watch out. It's going to be so fun to watch in Houston this year. Deshaun Watson's going to light it up. Yeah, absolutely. To the to a small degree, I would say that the pass catchers in Houston probably all take a tiny bit of a, a hit just because for the same reason that the Dolphins guys take a step up because there's another guy who can soak up targets. Um, but all of that is good for Deshaun Watson, obviously, like you just said. And honestly, that is a pittance compared to how positive getting Laramie Tunsil at left tackle is. Yes. Because they have had an awful offensive line. He was sacked 62 times last year, the most in the NFL. Some of that is still on him because he tends to hold the ball too much and not, he's the opposite of Tom Brady, who when he realizes that something's not going to happen, will just go down or get rid of the ball. Uh, Deshaun Watson doesn't seem to recognize when he's about to get smashed and that's why he got sacked 62 times but having a great left tackle uh who's considered one of the best uh, young guys in the league on his blind side is absolutely a a big deal so it uh, you said in the beginning that it was extra impressive for the texans because they didn't have a general manager i don't know if impressive is the word i would use because i feel like they've lost most of the trades they've made they gave up (laughs) a lot in this deal and the clowny deal but or they didn't get much back in the clowny deal but for redraft fantasy it is great great stuff so i do not i can't really fault your deshaun watson at number one and i do have him at number one for this week like you said do you think bill o'brien plays fantasy a and b did he draft deshaun watson this year um clearly he drafted deshaun watson in his uh Bill Belichick ex-coaches <laughs> fantasy league that he's probably in, commissioned by Bill Belichick, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So so real quick, let's just touch on the running back situation because the team did acquire Carlos Hyde from the, uh, the Chiefs after he was released. So now we have Carlos Hyde with Duke Johnson in the backfield. To me, Duke Johnson is clearly the back I want in this backfield because of his pass-catching ability and the fact that he's still got some upside left. I think at this point in Carlos Hyde's career, certainly it's not out out of the realm uh, of possibility that his best days are pretty far behind him, in my opinion. Um, Any interest in Carlos Hyde deeper leagues? Oh, boy. Any interest deeper leagues is a very loose way of asking that question, and I can't really say no to it. Um... 14 team so league I'll, is I'll, he is he available yeah, on Yeah, in a yes, in a 14 team league, uh, he's definitely rosterable. He's he's rosterable in a 12 team league as well because there's a chance that he looks somehow better here than he has in the last 7 spots that he's stopped. Um the amount of movement that this guy has seen throughout the league should tell you a little bit about where he has where he's at in his career in my opinion. I don't think he's very good anymore, and I think that people keep trying to get him and hope that he is, and he's not. But this is a good offense. There's a good chance that he'll score some touchdowns. So, yeah, he's rosterable. I'm not interested in starting him 
certainly in the beginning we'll see how things pan out maybe that will tell us a little bit more but i would agree with you that duke johnson's more of the guy to own um and i would say he's probably going to be a relatively reliable flex play in ppr leagues i would agree i think i think he's right at that back end rb2 high upside rb3 range for me so yes i agree flex play consideration every week Let's go on to a new backfield, and and the backfield that Carlos Hyde left is the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, of course, this has to happen the week after we record our AFC West uh, episode, preview episode from from last week. Naturally. And there was a very heated debate as to what was going to happen there with Kent, a former co-host and great friend of ours. I feel like it happened for Kent because the team has now (laughs) signed... LaShawn McCoy, after he was released from the Bills, it makes the situation very unclear to me, and I still don't know where I stand. Okada, help me out. What do we do with the Chiefs' backfield? Because now it is LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams, and preseason darling, Darwin Thompson. All right, Bess. This is a tough one, I will admit. When this happened, I didn't even know what my first reaction was. I had no clear first reaction, except I will say that I had been saying all offseason, if you remember, that LaShawn McCoy would get cut by the Bills. Oh, yeah. So my first reaction was, aw, yeah. But then he (laughs) went and signed with the Chiefs. Here's where I'm falling right now, Betts, and this is very subject to change, so I'm just going to put that out there. I don't think it makes much of a difference. Really? I think that that LaShawn McCoy is basically a lateral move from Carlos Hyde, which is what we kind of thought was going to be there with Damian Williams when the offseason started. I think that they brought him in entirely because Andy Reid has a relationship with him from the past, and LaShawn McCoy really likes Andy Reid and probably was willing to sign there for a little bit less money than he might have had to or might have been able to sign for elsewhere because of their relationship. And I think that it's a smart football move for the Chiefs who get depth, a little bit of extra versatility, a guy who can take a, f- a few carries away for sure, uh, just to keep everyone fresh. But I do not think this is going to be anywhere close to a situation where LaShawn McCoy comes in and becomes the RB1 on this team. I think that Damian Williams still has that spot for now. Um, and the same thing I was saying about Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde and Damian Williams all offseason, which was Damian is going to have to suck to lose the job that Andy Reid tends to give to a single running back, I will continue to say, for now, slightly less forcefully, (laughs) because LaShawn McCoy is LaShawn McCoy, but I'm throwing Damian Williams out there as a starter this week, as an RB2. Uh, We will see how things shake out, but I'm not as concerned as the majority, I think, of the fantasy community. Do you disagree? A little bit. I still, if, if you're making me roster one of these backs, it's still Damian Williams for me. But my concern is the team is not, they have no reason to make Damian Williams their guy. Obviously, the extension was signed a long time ago, last season, late in the year. Not very big money. This is the worry. Like, if, if he would have been signed to a multi year deal worth decent running back money, I would say he's the guy. LaShawn McCoy is probably a depth piece. But, I mean, how quickly they went out and got LaShawn McCoy tells me something. He's going to get used, as you said, in this offense. You said a few carries a game. I could honestly see a scenario where it's Damian Williams for 15 to 18 touches and LaShawn McCoy 
10 to 12. And that's not necessarily what Andy Reid has done historically. But there was one season when he had two very good backs in Philadelphia, and he did it uh, with Corral Buckhalter. And I'm blanking on the second name. I want to say it was Brian Westbrook. Is that right? Or was it probably? Or was it Lashawn McCoy? Ooh, I don't know. You look it up. I'm going to keep talking. All right. And so if if that scenario plays out, I don't know that Damian Williams lives up to his draft capital because obviously this significantly affects his value, in my opinion. You throw in Darwin Thompson, who I think he's earned a few touches a game. It's not fantasy relevant for him, but certainly it takes away from Damian Williams. Man, I have completely changed my opinion on Damian Williams in a matter of seven days when we last recorded our podcast. Yeah, it was Carell Buckhalter and Brian Westbrook in 2003. Yeah, they both had uh, between 115 and 130 touches. Or uh, carries, sorry. Yeah, so certainly that scenario could play out. Time will tell. This is a situation that, obviously, if you drafted Damian Williams early and you don't have a better option, you might have to play him. But we definitely want to see what happens here in that backfield. Next piece of news that we're going to get to, Melvin Gordon, Matt Okada, is not going to be playing for a while, it seems. Mm. The Chargers have publicly come out saying, we are done negotiating with Melvin at this point. Uh, it's going to happen either after the season or if Melvin Gordon wants a trade, it's not going to happen at all, basically. So team gave him permission to seek a trade. There's been some rumblings that maybe the Eagles are trying to see what it costs to get him. They want a first and a fifth rounder. This is the Chargers for Gordon, but yet they're not willing to pay him any money. Uh, I find it very, very hard to see a scenario where Melvin Gordon is on a different roster this year and a very difficult scenario to see play out that he plays before like week eight. What is your take Mm -hmm. on the situation? Yeah, that's pretty much what it boils down to. He has to come back. My understanding is by week eight to get this season so that next year he can be a free agent. Um, So I expect that to happen because if it doesn't, that's just pointless. It's not the same thing as Le'Veon Bell, who was franchise tagged when he did his holdout for the whole year and could be a free agent anyways. Um. Yeah, this is not looking good, Bets. I'll tell you what. It's looking good for fantasy owners everywhere for the future. Because if Melvin Gordon had won this and Zeke had won his, we would see holdouts every year till the end of time by all these gosh darn running backs. But the Chargers standing pat and saying, you know what? We can win with Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. We don't need you $11 million bad. Uh, We need you... Not, you know, 9 or $10 million bet. Or whatever they wanted to give him that he said wasn't enough. Um, he will be back is the kind of the point. But it's going to be a while. I think I agree with you there. Which means he has to be held onto on rosters. Unless you, I mean, uh, if you think differently, chime in. But I think he has to stay on your roster. This is not a Kareem Hunt situation where you're going to get him back in week 10 or whatever it was after their buy and he may compete for touches with Nick Chubb. This is a guy who's going to be one of the best running backs in the league when he's on the field, regardless of whether they pay him or want to pay him or not. That is what he is. When he gets back, he will dominate. Until then, what's the shakeout for you, Eckler and Jackson? Yeah, I agree. I think you have to keep Gordon on your roster. The nice thing is I've seen some leagues where he is eligible to be put in your IR spot, which is silly because he has an out next to his name or an O. In the, in the format, 
I don't love that because technically he's not really injured. So I don't love that. But if you have it, use it and, and stash him. Um, yeah, you have to hold on to him because, like you said, the upside is immense. Who knows? He could surprise the heck out of us and show up in week four, and all of a sudden now you've got Melvin Gordon for two-thirds of the year. But as far as what's there right now in Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler, I still prefer Eckler because of the pass-catching ability that he has shown in recent times. I think it's going to be close to a 50-50 split between the two because of the fact that when Eckler has gotten the majority of the work in Melvin Gordon's absence, he really hasn't been very efficient. He's actually been pretty average. Um, and so I think the team sees that, recognizes it, and says, okay, 50-50, Justin Jackson, you get some work, and Austin Eckler, you get some work. But for me, the pass-catching ability of Eckler splits the difference. Agreed. We will hear more about my thoughts on Eckler in a little bit. Bet. Ooh, a little foreshadowing. Love it. Mm. All right, last two things we're going to get to very quickly, just a couple of contract situations. The Colts have signed Jacoby Brissett to a two-year extension. I, I just kind of want to touch on it briefly, you know, maybe for dynasty formats because it doesn't change anything for redraft. We know Andrew Luck has retired. This is Jacoby's team now moving forward. Uh, does this show confidence from you, Okada, or I should say from the Colts for you in terms of his dynasty value there long-term? Um, it's a mixed bag. For one thing, they also went and signed Brian Hoyer to a very lucrative deal after the Patriots cut him. Which, by the way, quick side note bets, Jarrett Stidham is a must-add in Dynasty Leagues, especially Superflex. Oh, yes. Because the Patriots believed in him enough to cut Brian Hoyer. But anyways, back to the uh, case at hand here. Jacoby Brissett is going to be better than he was the last time we saw him as a starter for the Colts. I think this is factual information. They have better weaponry all around on the offense, but most importantly, their offensive line went from utter trash when he was a starter in 2017 and pretty much every year before that in recent memory to elite top of the league last year. And I don't expect that to change this year. So the Jacoby that we saw in 2017, which was very, very bad, I think he's going to be better than that. I don't know how much better he can really be. I don't think he becomes like a top 12 fantasy quarterback necessarily on a weekly or season long basis, but he will have good weeks um, when he has a, you know, a decent opponent. And in, if you're in a super flex, I think he's going to be startable most of the time, I will say because of the team around him. So yeah, I think he's definitely worth a look in dynasty and streamable for sure in redraft. I would agree. All right, let's go ahead and get over to the last piece of news here. Uh, Gio Bernard had a nice little payday. He mm. signed a two-year extension with the Bengals worth $10.6 million. Um, pretty good money for a running back that certainly is not a workhorse and certainly is, um, I don't want to say older, but he's been around the league for quite a while now. So good Good payday there for Bernard. Obviously, he's very good at what he does, which is uh, more of a change of pace, receiving back type of role. Does this change your outlook for long-term and in redraft leagues? Does this change your outlook for Joe Mixon? Um, I think a little bit because I think that there was a small hope that Gio would move on somewhere else and it would kind of be Joe Mixon and the smattering of guys they drafted. But that was going to be next year anyways, and it was kind of a you know, hope in the dark. Is that a phrase? Uh, I believe the phrase is shot, shot in, in the, the dark. dark. You know what? But hope works Whatever, too. Whatever, man. <laughs> uh, hope. It was a, ho- a small... Yeah, that thing. 
Um, so no, I, it, it doesn't do too much. Uh, Joe Mixon was still very good with Geo there last year. Um, it would have been nice to have him as a, as a true bell cow, but this is he. This I guess probably keeps him in the back end of the RB one range and maybe limits his chances of becoming one of the super elites, which I guess is kind of a big, I don't know, change, but not more than we were expecting. I guess. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is I think this does cap Joe Mixon's overall upside when you sign a running back to this type of money. It doesn't seem like a lot, but certainly for a backup, that's a lot of money. And I think it tells us that the team has plans for Geo this season and beyond. They're going to use him. Um, front office just came out today. I was reading an article saying they felt like they didn't use him enough last season. So, yeah, I think it definitely does cap Joe Mixon's upside where I think you could have said he probably has top three, top four overall running back finish in fantasy upside. I think that now gets capped at something like seven or eight in my opinion so yeah it definitely changes things a little bit for Mixon. still a great option this year but definitely caps his upside all right man that was a ton of news why don't we get over into some injury news all right bets we've got a couple pieces of new news but before we get to those let's get a quick update on aj green as we head into week one where where does your head currently value AJ Green? And does your heart feel differently? <laughs> that is a weird question to answer. <laughs> uh, my heart says that I love AJ Green because he's an extreme talent and always underrated. My head mm. says watch out for him in 2019 from a fantasy football uh. perspective. And the reason I say that is... We've already talked a lot about the toe concerns coming off of surgery from last year, but for me, the real concern now lies with that high ankle sprain on his left side. So we have two foot ankle injuries on opposite sides. And there was a report that came out about last week that's saying AJ Green's best case scenario is he's out there for week three. And I really just want to caution people that's not happening. He, last week, he was on a scooter, which means he was non-weight bearing on his injured leg. This week, he's still in a walking boot. How? But that's improvement, Bet. It is improvement. He's getting better. It is improvement. But what that suggests is, let's not forget, he had a surgery uh, towards the end of July coming off the injury to the ankle joint. And sometimes with the high ankle sprain, there is a little bit of damage to the ankle joint. So my concern is, is there a little bit of a cartilage injury in there, which those take a while to heal. And so if that's the case, he's going to have a lot of time to really get acclimated into being able to start and stop on a dime, put his foot in the ground and change direction, you know, go up for a jump ball. All those things take time. So week three is out of the question for me. I think more realistically, it's like week five, week six, week seven, something like that. So if you're holding on to AJ Green, you're going to be holding on to, on to him for a while. I sure hope that your league has an IR spot. Uh, sad for him. Good maybe for Tyler Boyd. We will see. It's actually going to be really interesting to see them in the first week against the Seahawks and how that pans out for, for Boyd. But let's move on to Nikhil Harry, who unfortunately for all his dynasty owners that drafted him in round one is placed on IR. Uh, it is IR designated to return, uh, unless I'm mistaken. So that means he, we could see him back mid-season bets. Do you believe he will be good to go and ha have an impact then? Or is this something where we're kind of going to get a redshirt year for Nikhil Harry? 
Ha ha! Red shirts. I love that reference, by the way. Nicely done. You are correct in saying he is going to come back this season. This is not a season-ending situation. He's been dealing with some hamstring uh, pain and a hamstring injury during most of training camp. Also had a turf toe injury, also an ankle sprain. So he's banged up for sure right now. And I would say probably four to six weeks is when we'll see Nikhil Harry actually on the field. Again, we've we've talked about it. Lower body injuries, you have to consider a couple extra weeks for almost like a buffer period to get yourself back into football shape. So a rookie wide receiver coming off of multiple injuries on the lower body, I think for fantasy purposes, it's largely going to be a redshirt year. I think he plays some meaningful snaps for the Patriots. I just don't know that you want him in your lineup at all this season. But for Dynasty, still no concerns for me. Uh, I think this is a very good time to go out and see what the trade cost is for Nikhil Harry in your Dynasty League. How startable is Josh Gordon? Oh, so startable. One. Oh, so startable. So I actually looked at our, right. our rankings, Okada, for week one. We both have him at 31. So he is a flex play oh. for the two of us. Wow, simpatico. Uh, all right. Quickly, we also need some updates on Trey Burton, Bears tight end, and Robbie Anderson, obviously Jets wide receiver, with a couple below-the-waist injuries. What's going on with those guys? Yes, we are going to talk about Trey Burton in a little bit more detail later, but here's the the short Ooh. of it. Groin injury for most of the preseason coming off of, of groin surgery in the offseason, now a groin strain on top of it, has practiced in a limited basis for three straight days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, leading up to the Thursday night football game. So he is a game-time decision for this week. And then as far as Robbie Anderson, he's trending in the right direction, but he's only a week and a half out from his calf strain. So for him, this is a situation where if you have a better option, I would prefer to see what happens with Robbie Anderson rather than rely on him because I fear if he goes out there at a calf with a calf that's less than 100%, you know, for a wide receiver, it is a situation where he could be fine or it could be one play and he's done for the game. So it really could let you down. And if you need a little bit of an extra incentive to try to look for a better option at wide receiver, he is going up against Tredavious White this season or this week. So mm. that is not ideal for Mr. Robbie New. Anderson. He's good. All right. That finally concludes our news bets. So much stuff. But that means that for the first time in uh, math, 10 months-ish, something like that, we get to get into a weekly preview of fantasy football for the NFL regular season. We're going to start with, well, what else would we start with besides starts of the week? Let's go. All right. Bets, you you get to kick us off because I really like your guy and I didn't get to pick him because you already picked him. So we both get to cheer for your guy. Who is him? <laughs> yes, my guy for this week is my number two ranked quarterback on the week. Jameis oh my. Winston going up against the San Francisco 49ers. For Winston, it's it's pretty simple right now, honestly, going into this matchup. The situation is perfect. The Buccaneers have a terrible defense, so I think the Niners will be able to put up points against them, keeping this a high scoring affair. Vegas has it right now at an over-under of 49.5, which is one of the highest on the board. You look at the matchup, not scary whatsoever. Uh, when you look at the highest-graded cornerbacks last season from Pro Football Focus, 
Richard Sherman was the highest graded 49er cornerback, and he was 50th in the league. Oh. So he Winston's going to be airing it out all over the place in this game. I suspect he is going to be rock solid with his first game with Bruce Arians, who we know has been a quarterback guru with the guys he has at the helm, really gets them to take a step forward in their play. I think for fantasy, Jameis Winston is a fantastic start. And if you drafted him late as a streamer, this is the week to play him at home versus San Francisco. I think it's a fantastic matchup, and I would feel very confident playing him this week. Yeah, I do not disagree at all. I love Jameis year-round, and I love him this week. Uh, great call. My guy, bets is someone who I don't have any personal connections, affiliations, or loves for uh, at all. It's Tom uh, Brady, I believe is his name. I've heard of him. From the Patriots. He's playing the Pittsburgh Steelers at home in Gillette Stadium. I would like to present to you, Betts, a quick list of numbers. These are the numbers that Tom Brady, who is not a typical QB1 in most people's rankings this year for the entire season. These are the numbers he has posted against the Steelers at home. In Gillette Stadium in his career. Are you prepared? Are you sitting down? I am sitting down. I'm ready. All right. 72% completion percentage. This is in five games, by the way. 360 passing yards per game on average. In these five games, 18 touchdowns, bets. 18 passing touchdowns with how many interceptions would you guess? Three. Zero. Oh, not a single one. That's very good. These are disgusting numbers. I, I, maybe it's a bit of the rivalry thing. Maybe it's just he kicks it into extra gear when the opponent is a great team. I don't know. But Tom Brady at home against the Steelers has been a 100% fantasy lock. Yes, please, give me this. I am willing to start Tom Brady in any league as my QB1 for week one. Well, those numbers make me very happy because I am playing mm. Tom Brady in a dynasty league as a second quarterback in my Superflex league. So I love it. Nice. And this is one of my favorite games on the slate this week. Oh, so good. Honestly, every single startable player in this matchup I want, including Tom Brady. So I'm with you on that. I think it's a, a high-scoring affair. Big Ben and Tom Brady dueling back and forth. Two of the best quarterbacks in our you know, our last decade. So fun to watch. I, I really can't argue with that call whatsoever. Agreed. I mean, I agree with you because you, you agree with, with me. So, yeah, I agree <laughs> with myself. Um, all right, let's get your running back bets. A little bit more of a deep grab here. Yeah, I think we both took that approach because, you know, at the running back position, week one, you draft these guys to be your starters. Those top 24 guys should be in your lineup. This is what you drafted them to be. But if you need a flex play, you could do way worse than Matt Breda going mm. up against the Buccaneers, who I just talked about with Jameis Winston. Breda, I mean, I don't want to read into this too much. Breda was listed as the unofficial first running back on the depth chart this past week. Did Whoa. you see that? Whoa. But that's not why I have him on this list. Even if he's the backup, you know, air quotes, backup to Tevin Coleman, and I honestly see this being a 55-45, a 50-50 split. So uh, mm-hmm. Breda's going to get plenty of work in this matchup. 
He is going against the Buccaneers defense, which ranked 31st. Uh, Okada, just so you're aware, there's 32 teams. 31st oh. in the NFL in points per 31st game. 31st best. Given up to the running back last season in terms of fantasy. They ranked 24th in the NFL in rush yards per game given up to opposing running backs. This matchup could not be better for the Niners running backs, who, let's not forget, are running behind Pro Football Focus's fourth-ranked offensive line from last season when you're talking about run-blocking efficiency. So the matchup is fantastic. The offensive line is very good. I've already talked about the over-under. There's going to be a lot of points scored. Matt Breda is a guy who is going to get enough work to be relevant this year, you know, all season long, and that doesn't change week one in fantasy. You can fire him up as a flex or RB2 if you need to uh, with supreme confidence. I love him and Tevin Coleman this week. Mm. I am impressed by your willingness to start both those guys' bets. Very brave. Uh, But I can't really disagree too much because the Buccaneers' offense is terrible. Uh, my guy is Austin Eckler Betts, who this one is, I think it's probably kind of cheating a little bit, um, because he was a value in drafts now, considering that Melvin Gordon is not here, but with Melvin Gordon not here, he is basically the presumptive starter and therefore a presumptive fantasy starter quite often. But specifically this week, I am excited to start Austin Eckler for a couple reasons. One, I think the Colts are kind of just an average defense against the running back. They were last year. They were actually 15th. So that's exactly average, pretty much. Uh, technically one spot above. But Above average. The Yes. And you heard what I said earlier about Jacoby Brissett and the fact that I think he can be competent. I I think that they the Colts will be able to stay in this game a little bit more than we probably thought the second Andrew Luck went out. Uh, well, but when I, I mean retired forever. So it's here. Yes. Uh, I think that they're going to have a decent shot at staying in this game. And if they do, I think that Austin Eckler is going to stay involved throughout the entirety of the game because of what you talked about earlier with his pass catching ability. So uh, I think that in a PPR league, he is a absolute RB2 lock this week. And I think there's a good chance he has uh, RB1 upside could certainly get in the end zone. Um, it doesn't help the Chargers, by the way, that Derwin James is out. He's going to be on IR for a while, so that takes their defense down a step. I think they're still very good, but a lot of things are just kind of coming together to make this potentially a close game. And in that close game, I like Eckler. I'm not going to lie. I'm not too excited about this one. Ooh. I, I mean, we just More of a Justin about- Jackson fan, or you just hate this entirely? Uh, No, not necessarily hate this entirely. I just feel... I kind of just feel lukewarm about it, and I'll be honest with you, Mar- part of that reason is because Russell Okung is going to be out for a decent amount of time this year, dealing with some blood clot issues. Uh, I think that affects the offensive line. Chargers offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, le- offensive lineman for the Chargers. I think that affects them a lot, more than people are talking about. So, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly could see he's he's startable this week, 100%, I agree with you there, but I question whether or not the Chargers, who, like you said, are missing Derwin James uh, and the Colts, who are now obviously with Jacoby Brissett, I just kind of question overall, like, is is the game going to be what we had thought it would be if you have all the stars, Andrew Luck, Melvin Gordon, 
Derwin James, uh, you know, all these players that we love, making it such a high-scoring affair, is that going to happen? I'm not sure, and I think that might cap Eckler's upside a little bit, but certainly a flex consideration, no doubt about it. Alrighty, let's go pop over to the wide receivers, and I'm going to take this one first, Bets, because I find it amusing that we have had a player from the same game in all three positions so far. It is the Buccaneers 49ers game, and in case you haven't figured it out, it is going to be a fun game for fantasy because it is two potentially great offenses with a lot of interesting weapons against two horrible defenses. Oh, yes. So my my wide receiver pick is Dante Pettis. Uh, now, the main reason he's in here is because of the general direction of his fantasy arrow over the past several weeks. The whole community has been down on him. Uh, largely because it sounded like the coaching staff there in San Francisco has been down on him. A little bit unwilling to crown him as the number one wide receiver, kind of saying he's been struggling a little bit to really step up. If he's going to have a chance to step up, this is going to be it. Because as we've touched on already, the Buccaneers defense is very, very bad. Uh, Just as they are bad against Brita, or could be, they are going to be bad against Pettis. So I think this is going to be a aired out, uh, back and forth, down the field, lots of points scored kind of game. And I still do believe that Pettis is the number one wide receiver target on this team. Obviously, George Kittle is number one overall. But there, I don't think there's a chance that Pettis gets less than six or seven targets. And I would probably put the number closer to eight or nine uh, pretty comfortably. And if he gets that against this bad defense, he is going to have a very good chance to put up a high-end wide receiver two week for you. Yeah, well, that makes me very happy because... Oh, man, I'm just starting all your guys for you. You are. I, I bought the the value dip in drafts with Dante Pettis this year because at a certain point, and I think it was mostly fantasy analysts, were hyping him up to the point where he was going in like round six, round seven, and then all this negative coach speak and news was coming out and all of a sudden he was in round eight and round nine and round 10 and I was like I can't pass on Dante Pettis at that value so I have a lot of Dante Pettis this year I'm drafting him in, or excuse me I'm starting him in all of my leagues that I drafted him in so I hope you are correct Okada well I also hope you are correct Bets, because I like your pick why don't you tell us your wide receiver start of the week Ooh, I just felt my heart rate go up a few beats. Oh. oh my gosh. Tyler freaking Lockett mm. is going to explode this week. I feel so confident in Tyler Lockett. He right now is ranked as my wide receiver 14 for this week. Almost a wide receiver one over wow. big time names. And it's mostly because of two things. One... Who the heck else is catching the ball from Russell Wilson right now? Will Disley not know. is coming off of a torn patellar tendon. DK Metcalf had surgery by the time this recording comes out less than three weeks ago. He's not 100%. The team only has Jerron Brown as the other reliable receiving option now that David Moore has a hairline fracture in his humerus. And we've talked about all offseason, this team has run first through and through. But when you don't have anyone else to catch the ball from one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Russell Wilson, you have to mitigate that factor when it comes to the run-first offense. So the volume should be there for Tyler Lockett. 
And the matchup is absolutely fantastic. Going up against the Cincinnati Bengals, who allowed the most passing yards per game to opponents last year. And they were 30th in fantasy points, giving up two wide receivers last year. Tyler Lockett is a guy who runs his slot, runs his routes from the slot. And B.W. Webb is going to be the guy he's lining up against this season. Pro football focus is pretty reliable, you would say, Okada. Mm. I do enjoy using their numbers. They ranked B.W. Webb as the 77th overall cornerback in Ah. the NFL, which is way worse (laughs) than... Most most startable you know corners in this league, you consider the fact that he gets that matchup with Russell Wilson, with no one else to compete with for targets. Tyler Lockett is going to smash this week. Yeah, there's really nothing to add to that because it was a exquisite argument. So I will just say that all of our listeners should lock it in. Yes, sir. I love it. All right, let's move over to the tight end position, Bets. Uh, you stole my favorite tight end of the whole year, pretty much, and I also do like him this week, so why don't you start with your guy? Yeah, sure. That's Mark Andrews, the guy we've been talking about as a sleeper all season. I think if you did draft him as a sleeper, you can start him this week. The matchup is certainly not scary against the Dolphins, who gave up the 11th most fantasy points to tight ends in 2018. All offseason and training camp, we've been hearing glowing reports out of Baltimore regarding Andrews. Marquise Brown, the rookie that was drafted in the first round, is still not really 100% coming off his Liz Frank surgery from last year. Uh, Miles Boykin is is another rookie there. The other option is Willie Sneed. So certainly the pass-catching options there don't scare you in terms of competition for targets. I think Mark Andrews is certainly a startable tight end this this week i have him as my tight end 12 so he's right there as a tight end one and that's why i have him on my list so i think if you drafted andrews you fire him up this week and really see what you have in the second year tight end i am very happy to do that all over the place best because i have so much mark andrews i love him and that is a great call uh my guy is the almost complete opposite of young exciting mark andrews It is old geezer Jared Cook of the New Orleans Saints now going up against the Houston Texans. You mentioned, Betts, that that Mark Andrews was going up against the Dolphins, who were 11th last year. They allowed nine touchdowns, the Dolphins did, to tight ends, which is one of the main reasons they were that high. The Texans allowed nine touchdowns to tight ends as well, but they also allowed 1,100 yards to the position, which was the second most in the league and allowed the second most fantasy points overall to the position last year. Now, it's hard to necessarily explain why they were so bad, but until we see otherwise, they are going to be one of my favorite streamer tight end matchups just going off of last year's numbers, and they didn't really change that much this year. In fact, they lost Tyron Matthew, who was a great safety, uh, which can help with that kind of thing, although apparently not. Um, but Jared Cook is a fringe tight end starter for me, typically, or will be on a, on a week-to-week basis. Uh, but give me a chance at the awful, what we saw from the Texans last year, the awful tight end defense that they had. And I am happy to put him in my lineup as a starter. You will probably not see, you know, a, I think Mark Andrews is the kind of guy who could go off for 80 yards and a touchdown. 
You might not see that from Jared Cook, but you might see six, seven catches and 60, 70 yards. That is a plenty startable week for a tight end these days. Yeah, it certainly is. And we just talked about at the top of the show how how fun this Houston offense is going to be. These two mm-hmm. play on Monday night, and it's going to be a fun mm. game to watch. Houston is going to put up points left and right. And if Drew Brees and the Saints want to keep up, they're going to pass the ball, and it's Michael Thomas, it's Alvin Kamara, and then it's Jared Cook, in my opinion. So, yeah, yep. I think you could do way worse than Jared Cook this week in a fantastic matchup that has shootout appeal. All right, bets. We are going to skip the kickers. Just kidding. We were never going to do the kickers. <laughs> I was like, wait, I was kickers not doo-doo. <laughs> uh But we are going to do defenses because most fantasy leagues start defenses. So let's pick a DST each. Who are you going with as a start of the week defense slash special teams in week one? Give me. And is there any personal bias? Absolutely zero. Uh, There actually isn't in this one. Give me the Eagles. Okay. Give me the Eagles this week going up. Well, let me ask you this, Betts. Who are they playing against? Uh, They're going up against the JV squad of the NFL, which which is the Redskins. Uh, Ouch. I, I mean, what is there to say? The Redskins, we project as one of the worst offenses in the league. You have Case Keenum, who is certainly a below-average quarterback. They're all pro left tackle. Trent Williams is not going to be there this week. There's reports he might come back sooner than later, but for this week, he won't play. And Eric Flowers is going to be starting. If you have mm. two eyeballs and have ever watched NFL football, you know Eric Flowers is, in the words of Okada... And not the good at the football. <laughs> this defense is going to dominate the Redskins in what is going to be a situation where sacks are going to be a plenty. I think they get at least mm-hmm. an interception. You could mm-hmm. argue maybe even a touchdown is within the realm of possibility for this team. So they're my second ranked defense on the week. Um, yeah, I'm playing the Eagles in a lot of places, including some DFS lineups. Uh, I don't know how many points you typically get for a safety in fantasy bets. It's probably two, but there could easily be about six to eight safeties for the Eagles, uh, considering how incompetent this Redskins offense is and how often they're going to be sitting on their one yard line and get sacked. Yeah, this is, this is not good. Redskins are pretty much one of my favorite, uh, targets for streaming DSTs all year. So I love it. Uh, uh, well, my other, or one of my other favorite targets is the Tennessee Titans. So I am taking the defense playing this Tennessee Titans this week at home. And it is the Cleveland Browns. That's right. You heard me, ladies and gentlemen. The Cleveland Browns. The dogs. The dog pound. Listen, this is an extremely good defensive line. They have four pro bowlers across the board on their defensive line. Miles Garrett, obviously could step up to be one of the best edge rushers in the entire NFL. They got another good guy in Olivier Vernon across the way. Sheldon Richards in the middle. It, it They are very, very good. They are going to be a lot of sacks. Miles Garrett has probably a chance at 20 sacks this season, which in case you don't know, does not happen often. This line is going to shred. Then they're also pretty good in the secondary. They have a couple of young guys that are very good, including Denzel Ward. Uh... They're going to eat the Titans alive. Um, <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Because, yeah, it, it's not going to taste very good, but Marcus Mariota is bad. I have said this before, and I am saying it again right now. 
it is rough. There is a chance that at some point in the season he gets replaced by Ryan Tanhill. That's how bad he's been. Uh, so until I see otherwise, I view him as a quarterback so bad that he could get replaced by Ryan Tannehill. And I would like to target said quarterback with my defense whenever <laughs> possible. So, yeah, this is going to be another situation just like Eagles Redskins where I see several sacks in the books and pr- at least one turnover. Uh, and I don't know how drafted the Browns defense were because they're the Browns, so you probably would imagine they weren't highly regarded. But if they're available, I would 100% go grab them and start them. Yeah, I love this call. I'm I'm starting the Browns in a few leagues. You talked about that defensive line. It's it's very underrated in my opinion. And let's not forget the tech uh, the Titans. Excuse me, with their offense, play very slowly with how much they mm. run the ball. So there won't be much risk as far as Titans running up the score or putting up a lot of points you know, throughout the game for this this defense. So, yeah, I like this a lot. I am playing them and certainly feel confident in doing so. All right, Bets. Before we move on, we have a shout-out to the fantasy footballers. So we've been talking about the fantasy footballers and their ultimate draft kit, you know, all August, all July. We partner with them uh, because we really support what they're doing. Obviously, they are the premier, uh, you know, fantasy analysts in the industry, and their draft kit was fantastic. But now that drafts are over, it's time to turn our attention to some DFS, some daily fantasy. And the Fantasy Footballers Ultimate DFS Pass is legit. You can use code REDSHIRTS when you go to REDSHIRTSUDK, the same URL we've had all year. REDSHIRTSUDK.com. Use the code REDSHIRTS. You get 10% off. This DFS Pass looks at cash game picks, tournament plays. They break down every game on the slate. Good friends of the show, Ben Cummings and Rob Waziak are going to be providing you awesome content all season. I have the DFS pass, and I can tell you my lineups are set. And Okada, I am ready to make some money this season with the DFS pass. Go to redshirtsudk.com, use the code redshirts, save yourself 10% today. Yeah, uh, if you thought the last deal for the UDK was good, where you get 10% off you know, just a regular UDK, now you get to get 10% off making sweet, sweet money. So that's going to pay for itself real quick. Uh, And I need you all to go and buy it and use it because I have to live vicariously through you since I'm not allowed to play daily fantasy sports. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. Employee of the NFL Network. Uh, It is sad. Well, I'll I'll screenshot my lineups for you, Okada, that I have this (laughs) week. And I can show you how much money I'm winning with the DFS pass. Oh, excellent. That will make me not jealous at all. <laughs> I will be very happy to see that. Um, all right, Bess. Here's what we're going to do. And this is another shout out. A shout out to our Patreon community, which you should all go join. We are going to have the sits of the week on the Patreon episode, which will release right before the weekend. It is going to be a 30-minute episode that you can only get access to if you are a member of our Patreon community. So go check that out uh, and join our group of patrons. Yes. There's a great chat that you can be a part of, and uh, you will get that episode and our sits of the week, which I can tell you just by looking at them, there are some very, very spicy uh, top-end names on this list that you're going to want to be paying attention to. So check that out. Uh what we will hop into, bets before closing out this show is a mailbag. Because who doesn't love a mailbag? Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail with you all day, okay? 
Alrighty, we've got several great questions. Hitting week one, this is one of my favorite parts about hitting week one bets because the mailbag questions start pouring in. There's a you know a spec here and there of draft questions and dynasty questions throughout the offseason, but this is when everybody is putting the rubber to the road, the nose to the grindstone, whatever other things go to other things when you start doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start it off with a question from fantasy burner 12 on Twitter. He says in non PPR scoring missed on tight end four through eight and completely waited on the position. So punted in his draft, basically took TJ Hawkinson in the 13th round. Should I grab Kyle Rudolph or Darren Waller for a week one start instead? Thanks. Wow. This is tough. I will say this bets. Uh, I, made the excellent decision of completely missing drafting a tight end in our listener league this year. <laughs> yes, so I feel fantasy burners pain. However, I got Greg Olson at the very end, and I actually feel better about Greg Olson than any of these names, which is sad. Um, TJ Hawkinson's going up against the Cardinals. That is an awful defense. I think I'm willing to take a shot on this rookie rather than going with the... Uh, Low upside, Kyle Rudolph, I think. And I've said before that I'm not willing to start Darren Waller until we see really what he can do in game action because we've seen less from him than Josh Gordon over the past several years due to lots of off-the-field issues. So I'm I'm not too opposed to starting Hawkinson. Are you willing to go with him or are you going to switch over to maybe Rudolph? I'm not taking Hawkinson in this scenario. Rookie tight end, we know it takes a while. I want to... It does. See what happens there first. Certainly the matchup warrants it. So if this is ever the week to do it, it's now. But my first piece of advice would be see if Mark Andrews is on the waiver wire. I assume he's not. If he is, Mm. that's your plug and play without question. But outside of that, I would probably lean towards Kyle Rudolph. And I just feel gross saying it. But, you know, Fantasy Burner, you really did punt the position and... (laughs) <laughs> truly did in, in all senses of the word and the phrase there so yeah Kyle Rudolph is my play this week against Atlanta pretty decent matchup um, that's who I'm taking in this scenario but like I said I, don't, I really don't feel great about it if Mark Andrews is there snag him yeah that should be a shootout so that does help um, I kind of do like that maybe I'm a little bit tied between the two but if I'm tied between the two and you pick Rudolph then he should go Rudolph so there's your answer fantasy burner uh, all right, let's switch over to Mitchell Amstutz, great friend of the show and Patreon subscriber, which, by the way, oh my goodness, so many exciting Patreon things, bets. You get priority with mailbags if you are in our Patreon chat group. Yes, you so, do. Seems like people should subscribe to the Patreon, I'm just saying. And I mean, the Slack channel is so... Fu- like, I don't know about you, but if I have a busy day at work and I come into the office and I check my phone... I don't look at Twitter and I don't look at Instagram. I look at the Slack channel to see if anyone's chatting with us about fantasy because that's it's it's like having your cell phone number and my cell phone number and being best friends. And that sounds Big pretty fun, in my opinion. <laughs> that I agree heartily. Uh, here's Mitchell's question, and I love the question. Start two between Josh Gordon, D.D. Westbrook, and Marvin Jones. Let me tell you something, Betts. Uh... I have D.D. Westbrook currently for week one as my wide receiver 20, which is even higher than he is normally for me. They are going up against Chiefs, which means a lot of passing, 
against a bad defense. So he is a lock and load start for me. That is not even a question. Then it comes down to Josh Gordon versus Marvin Jones. This is pretty close. Do you have a immediate answer that pops into your mind? I don't because this is a scenario where I have Marvin Jones at 30 and I have Josh Gordon at 31. Wow. So it honestly is a coin flip for me. I'm with you. I have DD higher than those two. So DD should be in your lineup. I honestly feel like the safe play is Marvin Jones. I think he's going to have a decent week. It's going to be him and Kenny Galladay putting points up against an Arizona Cardinals defense that is terrible. But if you need upside, let's say you you have someone going up against you in your lineup on Thursday night that goes off or early in the slate on Sunday that goes off and you need upside, Josh Gordon against the Steelers, you talked about Mm. it with Tom Brady, is the play. So if if you need safety, it's Marvin Jones. If you need upside, for me, it's Josh Gordon. Yeah, I, I was initially embattled between Gordon and Marvin Jones, and then I remembered that my start of the week is Tom Brady. And uh, yeah, I'm going with Josh Gordon. Also, I checked my rankings. I have him four spots ahead of Jones, so that just sealed the deal. There you go. It's Didi and Josh for me. And I love that start, by the way. Love it. All right, let's move on to another quick Twitter question from Coach H34. He says, still debating for last wide receiver and flex spot. T.Y. Hilton, Jarvis, or Cooper Cup with Brandon Cooks locked in at the wide receiver one spot, I'm guessing is what that means. So he needs two receivers between Hilton, Jarvis, and Cup. Obviously, Hilton being a big question mark with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback instead of Andrew Luck. That would This wouldn't be a question if that wasn't the case. I think we can agree on that. For me, Bets, I'm going to go ahead and go with Hilton and Cup. Um, the Titans cornerbacks are actually really good. It's one of the few things that teams does well. Uh, and so that's what Jarvis Landry will be going up against. Um, and I'm also not a big fan of Landry in general. So Cooper Cup's kind of my lock because I love Cooper Cup. And then I will go ahead and go with T.Y. Hilton. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I believe that Brissett can be manageably decent. And that means Hilton will be manageably decent as well. He still falls into my wide receiver two range, a low wide receiver two range, but I'm willing to start him. Do you disagree? Do you agree? No, I agree on all fronts. T.Y. Hilton and Cooper Cup are the plays for me. We talked about it uh, on our last episode, the NFC West preview. And I was saying, you know, all offseason, I was kind of hesitant on Cooper Cup because of the timeline of his ACL and, of course, the rehab following it. But you read any beat reporter's article, you read anything that has to do with his rehab, he has attacked it head on and really dominated his rehab and, and been a part of it, changing his diet, changing his routine. So I do think there's still a scenario where Cooper Cup maybe isn't the real Cooper Cup right away. But certainly between him and Jarvis Landry, yeah, give me Cooper Cup um, as your flex play this week. All right, let's bounce over to Bobby Newport on Twitter. I don't that doesn't seem to be his handle. It seems to be his actual name. I'm not 100 percent sure. Do you know the reference? Maybe it's there? both. I do not. Oh, you're do not you? a Parks and Rec fan? No, not really. Oh, come but on. The office for me. Well, our, our listeners will appreciate it then. All right. All I know is that uh, what's his name? The new the guy, the actor who's in the Marvel movies now, Chris Pratt. Yes, he was a dingus in that show. That's he all was, really all I know. He was a dingus. <laughs> He asks, would you start Aaron Jones or Tariq Cohen in the Thursday matchup over 
Tyler Boyd, Dee Dee Westbrook, or Cooper Cup. So a couple names we've hit on uh, in week one. Full PPR scoring, which does matter. Would I? Wow, this is a tough one. You would not. I would. I honestly think Tyler Boyd is the play this week out of those options, especially in full PPR. He's the highest in my rankings. Um, I talked about Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson being able to dominate in the game. I think the the Bengals are going to have to throw the ball to keep up, especially in full PPR. I would take Tyler Boyd in this scenario. When you consider Tariq Cohen battling the David Montgomery hype, and you consider Aaron Jones going against one of the best rush defenses last season in the Chicago Bears. Yeah, Jones's matchup does hurt a lot because he's he would be my favorite guy if not for that. I am I do like Tariq Cohen a lot in this game because I think that the I think the Packers are going to win personally, which may be a hot take, but with that being the case, I think that the Bears will be throwing to Tariq a good amount in this game. So, I do like him, but not over those three receivers. Those guys are a slight step above, especially in full PPR. Uh, KRiggs808 on Twitter, another friend of the show. Who is your favorite undrafted flyer you are keeping your eyes on for week one? Ooh, very interesting question. Bets, do you have one? I do. And I might need oh. your help pronouncing it. Oh, my. It is Dare Ogunbowale. Did I say that ah, right? Ah, yes. Running back. How was my pronunciation there? I would say that was... I would give it a 6 out of 10. Okay, that's not bad. So... Dare Ogumboale, I think is how you pronounce it, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, is clearly. currently the third string running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. However, oh, yes. he is actually, in my opinion, the second string because he's going to be on the field more than Ronald Jones will this season. He's been hyped up in training camp as a pass-catching running back, which if you're taking flyer on a flyer on a guy and you want to watch him as the season progresses early in the year, that's the type of player I want is someone that I know is going to have value regardless of the situation in the game. And, and this player who I can't pronounce his name, so I'm going to stop saying it, <laughs> is <laughs> a guy who there certainly is not a scary situation in front of him in Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. It's the easiest backfield to break into as a starter in the NFL. So he's the guy I'm watching in week one to see really what his role is and see if he can grow into a weekly asset for us in fantasy. All right. I like it. Um, here's going to be, here's going to be my pick bets. I'm going to go with Justin Watson wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafted, not this previous draft, but the one before slot guy. Uh, I am going to look, I'm going to be watching this game against a bad, as we've talked about, defense in the 49ers to see how much he steps up into the Adam Humphreys role because Adam Humphreys was very viable for fantasy through large stretches of last year and if Justin Watson can step up and fill a decent amount or all of that production and that would be a stretch but if he if he looks good and gets several targets I think there's a chance that he's going to be a viable PPR play at some point this year uh, mainly I'll be watching the targets. I don't expect him to put up good fantasy points, but if he gets six, five, six, seven targets, that's going to be very interesting for me. Could shake up my beliefs on the wide receiver core in general there in Tampa Bay. Don Juan Megatron. Oh, I'm glad I picked this question just so I could say that Twitter handle. What a name. That is fantastic. Don Juan Megatron. Carrion is my RB1, possibly because he's a fan of Megatron and therefore the Lions. 
went wide receiver heavy in the draft with Devontae Adams and Juju. And then he has presented us with a trade. So he's got carry on an RB1, Devontae and Juju as his top receivers. Somebody has offered Matt Breida and Devin Singletary for Mark Ingram. Do you make that trade? I don't think so. And here's why. Frank Gore is going to be relevant enough to make Devin Singletary, mm. I don't want to say irrelevant, but but not let him really reach his full potential this season, especially early in, in the season. So I would hold with Mark Ingram, who is going to be playing in one of the run-heaviest offenses in the NFL with Baltimore. I think Matt Breda could become a starter in your lineup. Obviously, he's my start of the week at the running back position, but... I would say Singletary doesn't really sway me enough outside of Ingram where I think he really does have true 18-touch, 20-touch potential this season. Yeah, um, this Bills backfield is giving me bad nightmare memories of Fred Jackson and C.J. Spiller back in the day oh, when no. C.J. Spiller yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. could have been like one of the best running backs in fantasy and Fred old geezer Jackson just wouldn't go away and kept sucking his value. Uh, Frank Gore could very much be that and could keep Singletary from potentially exploding. So I do not disagree. I also really do like Mark Ingram. And I think carry on Mark Ingram is a, a really solid RB1, RB2 punch. So I do not mind it, especially with Devontae and Juju at receiver. Uh, I think you stand pat. All right, bets. That's going to wrap up our week one show. Uh, it was very enjoyable. I am so excited. It is, by the way, in case we did not say it, Wednesday, uh, as we are recording this. This podcast will be out on Thursday morning. So if you're listening to it on Thursday morning before the game starts, we are sitting in excitement with you, waiting for the kickoff of the 100th NFL season, by the way. In case you guys all haven't seen this, which I assume you have. Is it really 100? So... Yes, it is the one hundredth season of the. How do you not know this? Is it, I thought it was there are one hundred logos everywhere. No, are you sure? It is NFL one hundred. Oh my gosh! I have seen nothing but the number one hundred <laughs> for the last seven months working in the NFL Network. I am quite sure. Oh, you know the what it first is. First season was nineteen twenty. I don't know what it is. Tell me. It's the one hundred and fiftieth season of NCAA football. Ah, and I was watching college football all weekend, so that's why I've been seeing the 150. You are correct, 100 for the NFL. Continue. Got it. Um, well, that's pretty much it. Uh, we're going to be excited with you. If you're listening to this as after the Thursday night game, uh, go Pack Go. I'm sure they won because that's my pick. Not really. I'm not very sure. It's very close. Do you have a pick, by the way? Duh, bears. Ah, uh, da bears. Big scary bears. All right. That's going to be it. Uh, if you guys want to check out our sits of the week as well as uh, the over-under segment, if you listened to us last year, we're going to be doing our enjoyable over-under segment, Me versus Bets, all year long, and that kicks off on the Patreon episode as well. So subscribe if you're not already, and you will get to listen to that later this week. Until then, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.